Hey guys, I'm Michael Carboni, and you're listening to episode 17 of the Chasing Kangaroos podcast. You're listening to Chasing Kangaroos, the rugby league podcast for fans who are passionate about seeing the game played in more places. Well guys, we're back for episode 17, and with me tonight, if you're a new listener to the show, you may not recognise his voice, he hasn't been with us since episode 11, but he's one of the original cast members, one of the original founders of the show, my good mate, Charlie Monty, how are you man? Mate, I'm very good, it is great to be back. Mate, a lot has changed since you uh, have last been on the it, show. It has, mate, it's a little bit fancy now, <laughs> I, uh, I get here, we've got a brand new fancy intro... We're not recording in a car anymore. You've decided to wear a shirt. I've got a shirt, pants, uh, looking very... All the clothes. Very schnazzy. <laughs> You're looking good. Mate, can I just say, yeah. big congratulations to you uh, for last week's episode. Oh, thanks, man. I haven't been on, but I have been listening uh, very keenly. Last week's episode was probably my favourite to okay. date. Deep dive into the uh, Italia Rugby League. Fantastic stuff. Man, and it was our most shared episode on social media. Um, the Italian guys really got behind it. The whole Italian rugby league community and family really got behind it. But also a lot of like random new fans have got in contact. There was so much gold on that episode, so much new information that has not been heard, written, said anywhere else. So if you haven't heard it yet, please do, so- do yourself a favour. Go back, episode 16, Rugby League in Italia. Mate, it was I've a good had, one. I've had so many people um, approach me on social media and on forums that I'm acting on, uh, active on saying... Great work on the Italia episode. I'm like, guys, I had nothing to do with it. But thank you anyway. I'll pass it, I'll pass it on to Michael. But, mate, people were loving it. Fantastic stuff. Thanks for that, man. Glad everyone's enjoying it. And we're back to our regular three-topic format this week. Uh, the three topics will be location of the second North American uh, RFL bid has been announced. Number two, the nation's name to compete in the Middle East Africa Championship. And number three, we're going to take a deep dive into the nines format and try and predict a few things or talk about the future of that format for for development in rugby league. Of course, as always, we've got our golden points. Charlie, why don't we get stuck in? Let's do it. So, Charlie, the location of the second North American RFL bid led by Toronto Wolfpack founder Eric Perez, has been revealed. And it's not where anyone guessed. So all the rumours leading up to this suggested places like Boston, Philadelphia, Vancouver, Hamilton. But the Hemelstags' proposed relocation will in fact be to Ottawa. Mate, that uh, did take me by surprise a little bit. I feel like nobody was talking about Ottawa. There were even suggestions that it would be a competing second New York bid. Um, But I didn't see anyone talk about Ottawa anywhere Cubs what do we know so far man well Eric Perez has done his homework he says that he went to a lot of cities before he decided that this was the place Uh, as we know he obviously purchased uh, the RFL license from the Hemel Stags who is who is hoping to move to Ottawa Uh, we know it's a partnership between Hemel and the Ottawa Sports and Entertainment Company so these guys own the 24,000 seat stadium TDK uh, TD place TDK, what am I talking about? Does amazing things to your system. <laughs> TD Place. So this is where the proposed side will be playing. Uh, and Ottawa Sports and Entertainment own several professional sporting teams. Uh, they own clubs 
in the Canadian Football League. They own clubs in the Ontario Hockey League. They own clubs in the United Soccer League. Uh, they know what they're doing. Uh, could be a good thing, mate. When are we... Um, look, I read in the article, Eric Perez said, correct me if I'm wrong, that we're expected to have a decision on this by the end of April. Is that still the case? Yeah, so there was a tweet from Alan Robs- Robinson, who's the CEO of the Coventry Bears. Uh, he revealed that the bids will be presented to League One and Championship clubs in April. So you can definitely expect to see this topic pop up on the show again soon. We've been talking about it pretty much every week, which yep. is probably one of our favourite topics at the moment. Very exciting for the International Rugby League world. So we're expecting both this and the New York City bid with Ricky Wilby uh, to both be presented to the clubs in April. Not sure how the clubs are going to take it. So we do know that Andrew Chalmers, who's the chairman of the Bradford Bulls, he said that the RFL does have an obligation <coughs> to look after and promote its own, and in brackets, UK, members' uh, interests. So not, I, I think there's going to be some sort of split um, reactions from, from the Northern English clubs. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what they do. Um, well, if uh, Let's just say that this gets the, the green light sort of end of April, beginning of May. Yep. Pre-season starts November. Yep. Um, are these guys going to be ready to go for League One in 2020? Ottawa or New York or b- b- both? Either. Either of these expansion bids. Are they going to be able to put a side together before, um, before 2020? I think Ottawa can. And the reason I think they can is because it's a relocation of the Hemel Stag. So presumably, they're going to have players who play for Hemel that might be ready to go and come across. Yep. They might have half a squad there ready to, to make the move. Uh, not saying they all will, but it's definitely a possibility. Um, the the interesting thing with Ottawa is that they're saying that they're not going to replicate the Wolfpack. So Wolfpack have been pretty much gung-ho promotion first, let's get to Super League and worry about development in, in Canada after that. Ottawa is more development first. They grassroots. Grassroots rugby league, building the game over there. They're saying that there's enough rugby talent that they can, that they can poach. There's enough Canadian Football League talent that they can that they can get across and remember Canadian Football League is described as being closer to rugby league than even the NFL mm. um, so and there's also plenty of development that they're expecting to happen in high schools and universities as well so they're looking to more of a for more of a slow burn um, and I think that they can get into the league one in 20, 20, uh, 2020 as for New York City I think they're going to need more time to build um, I don't think 2020 is going to be realistic for them. Obviously, anything is possible, right? Yep. Um, but can they throw a side together? The other question is, can the League One, which is filled with an amateur teams from Northern England, can they really afford to fill, field two sides in North America? So, I mean, some of the most of the players there are mm-hmm. amateurs. They have day jobs. Are they going to be able to take time off a few times a year to get across to the, to the US and to Canada? I don't think so. Um, tell me if you disagree, Chuck, but the way I'd be sort of looking at this, I want both teams there. I want both teams yeah, well, in. that was my next question. Now that we know it's Ottawa, is that a good thing, in your opinion? Are you happy about that? Yeah, look, I'm, I'm happy about it. I think it does wonders for development in Canada if they get in, having two Canadian clubs there. There's potentially a rivalry uh, between both of these Ontario cities, and they already share great rivalries in other sports as well. So and eventually... Look, can, can we just say, there? just from a geographic perspective, sorry to cut you off there, yeah. for those that are sort of worried about oversaturation in, in Canada... Um, these two cities are over 400 kilometres away, so it's not like they're right on each other's doorstep. And I think sort of to your point, I actually think that this is a good opportunity to be something different to the Wolfpack, but also build on the Wolfpack's success. Um, something Eric Perez said yesterday in the press that I found quite interesting is that there's currently no professional 
rugby union clubs in Canada. There's, I believe there's the Toronto Arrows, but they're fairly new. Are they a professional outfit? If they're not professional, they're semi-pro, but, okay. but to your point, they're probably the only one. They're, okay, well, I stand corrected on that, but I think it's still an opportunity for Rugby League to actually stamp itself as the rugby code in Canada Definitely. before Rugby Union really gets a, um, a foothold. So personally, I'm excited about it. Um, and if they're bringing, if they're developing Canadians as well, then presumably, if this goes well, then Canada uh, become quite competitive in a 10-year period, you would think. They're at least competing with those T2 nations. Yeah, I feel like it's really a... Um, uh, it is a real opportunity to get into a market that has largely been ignored by rugby. Yep. A little bit similar to the way that Rugby League is now capitalising on rugby being asleep at the wheel in the Pacific. Yep. We're sort of seeming to be... Uh, uh, I don't know if it's by design or by accident, but it's almost like we're doing the same thing here in, in Canada. Like we're saying, this is a... This is a big market. Um, it's an emerging market. There's an opportunity to get in there and be the uh, number one rugby code, as I said before, rugby union gets a foothold. It, it certainly could catapult Canada to the top of the Americas and beyond. They could actually lead the way. Um, I'm going to throw a very tricky question up at you. Uh, New York City or Ottawa, given everything we've discussed tonight, what do you think? What's your, what would you prefer? Yeah, look, I think... Um, it's hard to go past New York as a market just because it opens up so many possibilities. The, um, the possibilities there are, are really limitless. Having said all that, you might think I'm crazy, but I'm leaning towards Ottawa. I just okay. think... I just think what, why is that? Canada. I think the idea of rugby league just being prominent in Canada instead of being... Is that more important than it being popular in America, in the USA? It's not more important than being... More, it's not more important than being popular in the USA. I would love rugby league to be dominant in both of those markets, but yeah. I see an opportunity here for, um, as I say, I know I'm repeating the same thing over and over, but I really see this as an opportunity for, for rugby league to assert itself as um, what Canada associates with rugby. You know, in the, I feel like in a lot of these other markets that we're, we're pushing into as a code, where we're almost doing so saying, look, here's this thing that's like rugby union, but a little bit different. A little bit faster. A little, little bit, bit faster, a little yeah. bit better. But this is our opportunity to get in first. And I really feel like um, uh, if, if we could have two full-time professional clubs in Canada before rugby union has one, I feel like it's, it's really an opportunity to beat them to the punch. There's nothing about New York City that I think needs to happen now, yeah. right? Um, whereas I do think there is something with Canada that needs to happen now. I think there's an urgency there before we miss out. The only reason New York maybe has some urgency as well is if it doesn't happen now, these are all these investors that are supposedly backing the bid could pull out. They could potentially take their money elsewhere. Uh, we might not get another opportunity at New York again. But look, in saying that, I'm not game enough to, to choose between the two. I want them both. I think Ottawa is a good chance in 2020 in the League One. I actually think New York should be given an extra year to build and they should actually be coming in at championship level because I don't think we should have both of these teams in League One. Okay. Um, so I think New York come in at championship level. Um, but really, like we're, we're saying all of this stuff without knowing exactly what the bids include. We've, we've heard what the bids... We've heard things like this New York... Uh, consortium has 54 million dollars american to spend over the next few years we've heard things like that but we actually don't know exactly what these bids include we're going to know in april um, and as i say 
it's going to be a very interesting topic. We'll probably talk about it every week until May on yeah, this show. Yeah, and look, guys, can we just disclaimer all this by saying, obviously, we, we would love both of these bids to be successful. I think if we had to nutshell it, um, we'd say that we're a little bit worried about how they fund two North American sides at League One level. Um, but um, obviously, we hope it happens and we watch this space. <laughs> Guys, topic number two. So this week, the RLIF announced in a statement that four nations will compete in this year's Middle East Africa Championship. The statement reads that three nations are on debut and one returning to the international fold will contest the second MEA Championship in October 2019. So this event will be staged over four days. It'll be hosted in Lagos in Nigeria uh, and with the host facing fellow newcomers Ghana and Cameroon. Morocco will also feature, having not played International Rugby League since 2011, Charlie is Africa the sleeping giant of rugby league? Look, I think it very well could be. I think we'll come to that a little bit later in terms of what we see as the uh, future for the region. But as you've alluded to, we've got four clubs playing in... Four nations, I should say, playing in this tournament uh, in October 2019 on the 2nd and the 6th of October. So how's that going to work? I think what will happen is on the 2nd, they'll play each other and then the respective winners will contest the final on the 6th Mm -hmm. with with, uh, the two losers then competing as well. Yeah, uh, on that date. Exactly uh, right. Really interesting to see uh, a lot of these new nations involved. Of course, Nigeria, uh, they've announced four teams for the domestic comp so far in May, so they're really building things for rugby league. Interesting to see Morocco back. So Morocco, um, I'm not sure how much you know about this, Chuck, but two f- around about that 2011-12 stage, rugby union pretty much like decimated rugby league in that country we've heard similar stories happen all over the world well it happened in morocco and morocco's back they're back they're under a new brand new administration board. brand new board four clubs four club domestic competition and morocco's back so it's going to be really interesting to see how these guys go um and yeah we're really excited for it um look Cubs, the obvious question at least for me was yep. um so we've got four nations yep some of them making their debut on the international stage. To me, you you see Middle East Africa Championship. Yep. First question that springs to mind is where is South Africa and yep. where is Lebanon? Good question. Um, because Lebanon and South Africa were the only two nations involved in the last MEA Championship. Lebanon took it out, of course, and that's why they qualified for the World Cup. I actually spoke to Ramon Safi, who's one of the organisers of this championship. He's the... Um, Rugby League European Federation regional manager as well. He said that the reason that there's these four nations involved for the moment is that they're trying to provide a pathway for these participants to obtain affiliate membership uh, to the RLIF, so potentially by the end of the year. So part of the criteria for affiliate membership is playing a certain number of international games. This is going to help them get there. Uh, Next year, so 2020, South Africa and Lebanon will be invited to the MAE Championship. So it's going to be probably a six-team competition, uh, which is fantastic. From there, it's going to roll on. It's going to be every two years. It's going to line up with the Oceania Cup, which will be 2020 and then 2022 and so on. It's going to line up with the European Cups that are being planned at the moment as well. It's going to line up with the America's Cups that are being lined up as well. And I believe 2022, around about that period, um, we're going to see a World Cup qualifying match for 2025 coming out of this uh, MEA tournament. So you think there could be a, a, eventually a 2025 spot available to the winners of this tournament? I am 100% saying that the winners of the 
of this tournament in 2022 will be going to the World Cup in 2025, whether that's in the USA, Australia, England, wherever that is. Um, so that's really exciting stuff, really exciting stuff for the, for the entire region. Obviously, Nigeria, um, fantastic. Like the, work that it, like the work that has been coming out of there the development that has been happening there. And the growth is so quick. It's been crazy. The, there's some, some Super League clubs that are really getting behind um, these Nigerian clubs as well. You've got the Leeds Rhinos involved. You've got uh, Wakefield Trinity involved. Um, I also heard the London Broncos are about to announce some involvement as well. I'm not sure if that's going to be a new club or if it's, or if it's something else, but Nigeria really kicking goals. Lagos in particular, great great city for this tournament to take place. It's probably the largest financial sector in Africa and allows for some commercial uh, a commercial component to be attracted to the region. Man, you gotta say, and we touched on this earlier, but surely the, like, the future of rugby league in Africa could be very, very bright. I'm very excited. Before I come to that, can I just ask you quickly, I don't know if you'll know the answer to this yet, but um, who is expected to be playing in this tournament in terms of um, domestic or heritage players are they likely to get many heritage players over for it it's out of season so it's going to be in october yep um is there a likelihood of getting a lot of heritage players over to africa for the tournament i do know that there is a a number of heritage players that can be involved i'm not sure what the makeup of these sides are going to be but i can say i did speak to um the guys from nigeria yep and they did tell me that there will be a couple of heritage players that are already putting their hands up, assuming these guys are coming from the UK and lower divisions over there. But a majority of their players are going to be from the domestic competition, which kicks off in May. Uh, they just think it's really important to give their domestic players some international opportunities. And what better place to do it than in their, in, on their home ground oh, man, in Lagos? Um, look, I think, um, I think it's absolutely uh, huge for the, for the future of that region. Um, Mate, and on that, what do you, how, how do you see this impacting the future of the region? What is the, the future of rugby league in Africa? Well, look, it's, it's, I'm, I'm scared to say that it's going to be amazing in 10 years' time because, really, this is all very new to us. Like, Nigeria have come out of nowhere, or to us come out of nowhere. I know uh, Ada Bisi has been working hard behind the scenes with his team for the last couple of years, but this has seemingly come out of the blue. There's a lot of action happening on the ground. If they can keep growing at this rate, then I reckon in 10 years' time we could see Nigeria sort of at that Jamaica level. Mate, I'm really excited about the future in Africa. I think it's, um, like you said, a sleeping giant. Um, but I actually think a, a, the growth will sort of come in, um, in two different ways. I think the great work that they're doing on the ground there is, is uh, obviously going to play a huge part of it. But I actually think a lot of the growth will come from Australia and in particular Sydney. Because in the last 10 years or so, we've seen lots of immigration from countries like South Africa, Sudan, yeah, Zimbabwe. Um, there are a lot of African Australians now, which isn't something that we would have necessarily said 10 years ago. These kids are all going to grow up in Sydney playing and supporting rugby league. So I think those two things, in, I think the timing is really, really good for there to be growth um, both in Africa and also amongst African Australians. 100%. The question of heritage keeps coming up. Is it good? Is it bad? I think in this case, it's going to do in wonders for developing. this case, I think it's very good. Yeah, fantastic. Well, mate, any final thoughts on this tournament? Um, I think it's all very positive stuff, but is there anything you'd, you'd like to 
to end with? No, look, I think um, I think all the details that have been emerging so far have been very good. I think people need to keep their expectations realistic, but I just want to say a big congratulations to everyone involved because all of the countries that we're talking about as being involved in this tournament, um, 12 to 18 months, or even less than that, it just wasn't a possibility yeah. for them. I- and, and now they're going to be playing uh, a four-team tournament in Africa, the Middle East Africa Cup, it, it's fantastic and, and credit goes to, to all four nations involved. It's crazy, man. I thought like when we first started this podcast and we we're talking about nations like Chile and Brazil and Argentina, I thought, oh my God, like this is insane. But this is up there yeah. in, in the crazy stakes and uh, it's, it's amazing. So great, great job. I echo your sentiments, mate. Great job to everyone involved. So, Charlie, a historic partnership has been formed between the organisers of the London Nines and the Carolina Nines in the USA. The talk is that this could be the beginning of a World Series Rugby League Nines amateur circuit. Try say that three times fast. This, along with the America's Nines and the Nines World Cup this year, has got us thinking about the future of the short form of our game and how it could be used to, as we say, hashtag grow the game. So, Carb, starting with uh, what you alluded to first there, the um, strategic partnership between London and Carolina... For those who haven't been following the story, what does that actually mean? All right, so I spoke to I actually spoke to Graham Oliphant, who is uh, the organizer behind the London Nimes, Nines uh, today. He and Andy Lucas have formed this partnership as part of a plan to create a connected and cohesive calendar for an annual amateur nine circuit. Uh, so, as we know, the Carolina Nines will be held in May. Uh, 24th to 27, which is Memorial Day weekend over in the USA, which is a very important weekend, obviously. And London will be August 25 this year. So that's a one-day tournament. What's actually been proposed or what's actually going to happen as part of this partnership? So the men's and women's championships from the Carolina Nines, they'll be representing the USA over in London uh, in August later this year. And that's going to be reciprocal, isn't it? Well, is that right? Yeah, London team, teams that participate in London will be encouraged to participate in Carolina as well. Obviously, they're going to share some strategic, logistical and marketing support as well. Um, it, really, it's a, exciting times for both of these organisations and for amateur rugby league nines in general. Mate, are you able to... So the Carolina Nines, I think we've spoken about a little bit on the show before. What can you tell us about London? I think you had some exciting news about that today. Yeah, London's really exciting. So this will be the second time the Nines tournament has taken place. Uh, speaking to Graham today, and he let me know that there's actually 36 teams looking to participate so far, and they'll be representing 12 nations wow. uh, in total. So, And keep in mind, there's still five months to go, so they're still looking yeah. for more teams. This will all be played... Over a one-day period, there's going to be music, beer, all that sort of thing. It's going to be pretty cool. Like I don't think we've really even seen anything like this over in Australia. No. But of those teams, obviously, you can't go through all of them, but I'm going to mention a couple because I find some of these really interesting. So you've got a side from Lithuania. So this is going to be the first Lithuanian rugby league side, or the first time that they participate in any tournament like this. And look look out for the golden points later on this evening, guys, because I'm going to have a little bit more to say about Lithuania and the guys behind that as well. So there's also going to be a side from, from Wales. So the Welsh Mighty Ducks will be taking place. Love the name. Love everything about well, it. Well, we see a few flying Vs Mate, the flying in the London Vs night. in London. Mate, the Welsh side is actually very new. Um, it's been put together by a guy named Billy, who I've been speaking to recently as well. Um, and he's actually from the... Um, northern wales origin side as well so he's really trying to get this nines team happening it's a bit of a throw together side uh, but they're looking to 
partaking more and more tournaments as the years go on as well. And coming out of Scotland, you've got the Edinburgh Eagles as well. So one of our favourite Scottish sides, they'll be taking place in the London Nines too. We've also, and this isn't something that Graham told me, but I've also heard whispers just quietly that the Italian clubs, uh, as well as our favourite Dutch Rugby League side, the Amsterdam Cobras, uh, have been or will be formally invited as well. Whether or not they take part, not too sure. But really exciting, really exciting competitions. Um, we're going to be trying to cover both of these as best as we can. Uh, our mate Nate Gladden, he's putting together a side, the Dirty 130s, uh, who'll be taking part. This will be like an Army, Navy, uh, American side, um, who'll be taking part in Carolina. In Carolina? Yep. Uh, I'm not sure if they'll be taking part in London, but I'm sure Nate will be trying to pull some strings and get over there. So plenty happening at this level. Um, really exciting times for, for Club Nines. Mate, that is that is fantastic. And I, th- I think, you know, the next question that comes from that is, well, where to from here? What does this mean for, um, for the short form of the game? Well, look, what I can say is for Graham and Andy, it doesn't stop here. So they're going to be looking for other partnerships, especially in Europe and the Northern Hemisphere, where they can... Uh, I guess, get some other nines tournaments under this umbrella. Obviously, like, you know, it's got to be a high calibre of tournament. Uh, All the right things need to be in place. But I don't see why we won't have in the near future, maybe in the years to come, maybe four or five uh, uh, amateur nines tournaments going on as part of this this circuit. It's really interesting because... With the uh, abolition of the Auckland Nines and then the establishment of the Nines World Cup, yeah. it was sort of like the future of Nines was trending towards internationals. Yeah. Um, and now with all of this Club Nines activity, I mean, do you see in the future Nines being um, a national team thing or do you see it being a club team thing or do you see it being uh, both where they both work? together look the, the waters are a bit muddy at the moment and i guess the the answer to that question is it can be anything you know mm. there's no 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 there's no um i guess governing body that looks after nine specifically you know the nrl haven't come out and said no we own nines super league haven't said it the rlif haven't said it so i guess it's allowed guys like graham and andy to, to put together tournaments like this. Which is great. And they're going to keep doing so for mm. as long as they can. I don't know if this means that at some point the NRL is going to uh, listen in and say, hey, we could be making some more money here. We're yeah. going to start a Pacific Nines. That'll probably be a great thing as well. Uh, I'm not too sure. I think from the national perspective, um, it's, it's, it's definitely got to keep growing as well. We know the World Cup's happening this year. It's happening every four years. We'd like it. We'd like to see more nines tournaments happening regularly we know the america's nines are happening in may as well between usa canada um brazil uh, sorry usa canada jamaica and um the latin heat as well i have had word from some friends over in canada that um some of the clubs so that the canadian clubs so talking about ontario and all those sorts of clubs um they've appealed to the organizers of the america's nines about having a club tier and a women's tier that runs parallel with the America's Nines as well. So I guess there's going to be room for clubs and nations to work together in some of these tournaments too. I think that's right. And look, we've both been on the record in one of our previous episodes as saying we think that the short form of the game is a tremendous vehicle and opportunity for growth. It's accessible, it's simple, a little bit less technical than the 13 aside game. Um, so absolutely, we think it's a, um, uh, like we said, a vehicle for growth. What form that takes in terms of, as we said, uh, you know, 
club fixtures or international fixtures. We don't really know yet. This is all still in its infancy, but it's very, very exciting. Watch this space. Definitely watch this space. And if I can just say one last thing uh, from my discussion with Graham, he did say that he's still waiting for an amateur side for Australia to put their hand up for the London Nines. So I know we've got a few listeners out there who are part of some, some Australian amateur clubs, whether that be in New South Wales, Queensland, up in the Hunter region, uh, where, wherever. Um, put your hand up, get yourselves over to the London Nines and get involved in this party. Mate, do we get our old team, the Pelicans, back together? I think we would get absolutely shellacked. Yeah, I can, I can <laughs> barely stand up. It's a bad idea. Well, mate, since you've last been on the show, we still do Golden Points. It's everyone's favourite. Mate, it's growing. It used to be a couple of minutes at the end of the show. Now it's the biggest segment. It's got its own segment. It's its biggest segment. Last week it was its own episode. I did a bonus episode of Golden Points. So, mate, it's it's definitely one of the favourites. And um, since, you've, since you've last been on the show, Jake and I have been trying to go point for point so I might start then he might go with one as well and we'll just keep going until we run out of stuff I'm happy to do that I'm not sure I can keep up but let's see how we go mate I reckon you're going to do a good job and if you run out of stuff then uh, just have a little peek over on my my notes over here thank you very much (laughs) let's see how we go who starts mate I'll go first so golden point starting in Chile. So I read today that the Chilean Rugby League have been involved in discussions in the northern city of Antofagasta about incorporating Rugby League in their high schools. So really impressive development work over there. They're three, maybe four years into their domestic competition and to be getting the schools involved already, uh, big things for the future of Chile. That's fantastic. My turn over in England. So this is sort of like a double banger golden point because it was all announced in the same BBC article. But England have announced a 30-man high-performance squad. I saw that. And with that, sort of tucked away at the end of that article, was a a short note that um, England will be competing in the Nines World Cup in October. I think we all pretty much presume that. Maybe with only 12 teams being there, some people thought that maybe it would be a Great Britain side. But sort of confirmation today that it will be England playing in the Nines World Cup. It's interesting. Are we going to hear a proper announcement from the NRL or is it just going to happen sort of in, buried in articles like this? I don't know. The the real, the real thing that... Um, look, I, I'm, I understand why England announced their 30-man squad. They've got a World Cup to prepare for in 2021, but it just makes me a little bit sad that we're not going to see an English side compete this year. Be nice apart if these from the nines. 30 men could play some games. Mate, I, 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 I just hope maybe there's still time. I don't know, but... Mid-season test, surely France needs something to do. Maybe Wales needs something to do. I'd love to see England compete. Yeah, it looks like the focus is um, Great Britain. uh, But yeah, let's hope we get some games for England. Golden point over in Serbia. So uh, the first division over there, Red Star played Partizan again. The scoreline here, Red Star 62, Partizan 8. Absolute shellacking between these two sides from Belgrade. Um, mate, and, but look, I don't read too much into it. Up to 13 players were missing through suspension or injury after, of course, their Super Cup match last week, which saw an all-in brawl and, and quite a few suspensions handed out. So look, Red Star obviously got the better of Partizan once again. Uh, would the scorelines have been closer if they were fielding full-strength strength squads? Possibly. I have absolutely no doubt. Always a good game and always fireworks when those two clubs play plenty of fireworks and both these clubs are getting ready for the Balkan Super League which kicks off in about a week and a half so looking forward to that one very exciting closer to home uh, Queensland Cup so you guys have been talking on the show for the last couple of weeks about how the PNG Hunters were unfortunately yet to score a point poor Hunters uh, in their first two weeks in the Queensland Cup well they've finally got some points on the board uh, unfortunately though still going down to the Sunshine Coast Falcons 
28 to 26 over the weekend. Yeah, good to see them on the board. They've still got some improvement to do, but obviously rugby pup in New Guinea and rugby league uh, on the up and up. Well, and look, up. it was always going to be a bit of a, uh, a rebuilding season for them after losing a couple of players after a successful campaign last year. But um, go the Hunters. Guys, let's go back to Europe. Golden point in Greece. So we can confirm, and I found out about this a couple of weeks ago, but was asked to uh, not mention it yet. But the, there's going to be a new club in the Greek Rugby League domestic competition next year or in the 2019-2020 season, which kicks off in October. So as part of this expanded six-team comp, we're going to have the Athens City Raiders, so the newest club. They actually started the club or tried to get the club off the ground in 2015, but pretty much folded before it got off the ground. Uh, they now have a field, they have a coach, and they're looking to play one or two trials in the summer before the next season kicks off. So really exciting times. And if Jake was here, I'd be telling him to lace those boots up, fly over to Athens because they need a halfback slash captain. <laughs> you don't tell me any of this stuff. You're like a safe. <laughs> thought we were best friends. Um, uh, Lachlan Coote. So Golden Point related to, to Lachlan Coote. He has put his hand up for Great Britain eligibility okay. for their tests uh, via his Scottish heritage. I didn't know about this one. I, I kind of thought it would happen. I don't know how I feel about it um, in terms of like, you'd think in terms of like English side, Great Britain side, they, they've got enough of their own fullbacks, don't they? They don't need to, to be stealing Aussie heritage fullbacks. They do have enough of their own players. Look, I'm for it, to be perfectly honest. I mean, when it comes to, to uh, Great Britain, there's where we are versus where we want to be. And if this gets some Scottish heritage players if this gets some scottish representation into the team i'm i'm happy for it yeah fair enough i guess it, it if it was say jackson hastings in an english side i probably would wouldn't feel too great about it it was kind of like when rangy chase played halfback for england a few years ago mm. um, if it's great britain i feel a little bit better about it look i'm a little bit torn i think this is definitely going to be a topic for the show a long form topic for the show probably later on down the track, closer to the to the Lions tour, especially if guys like Lachlan Coote do get picked for the side. Mate, uh, golden point, uh, Lithuania. So mention them in our nines discussion. Um, they're, set, they're the newest uh, nation set to join the Rugby League world family. And I spoke to Matty Wright, who's one of the founders of the Lithuanian Rugby League. So Matty's actually doing a, a lot of development work. He's quite well known over in, in, in the UK. So he's a club director for Red Star. He's also a director at um, Rugby League Around the Grounds who sponsor the Jamaican national side as well. So he's doing all sorts of good things. He and his friend uh, Gintaris Simanskis, sorry if I've pronounced that incorrectly, they're establishing the Rugby League uh, competition in Lithuania and the national Lithuanian side. They've pretty much identified um, some pockets in England where Lithuanians are playing rugby league. Eventually, most of them are moving back home, and obviously they have nowhere to practice these mm. skills and play the game. So through uh, Gintara's contacts, they're hoping to set up a four-team competition in Lithuania by the end of the year. And as we mentioned earlier, they will be um, taking a heritage side over to the London Nines as well to take part. It's a really hard heartfelt story as well so the reason Maddie really wanted to get involved here is because his son's mother is Lithuanian so his son obviously Lithuanian heritage and I guess he wanted to give his son an opportunity 
to to represent his heritage should he choose mm. uh, in the future. Oh, great story. So he started started this this side and fantastic work, Maddie. And we know you're listening, mate. And just keep up the good work, man. Love everything that you are doing. That is brilliant. Yeah. I will I will just say one last thing. Sorry, before you move on to your next point as well. So uh, Maddie's selling, or they've got some Lithuanian rugby league gear. It looks fucking sick. Like the colours, it looks amazing. Um, we'll pop it up on our Facebook page. Uh, and you know, if you if you like it, maybe think about buying it. Uh, and all the profits go towards development of rugby league in Lithuania. So um, get on board, guys. We'll pop that up on our Facebook page after this episode. Um, you said before that I couldn't say a joke about going to the toilet. You just said the F word. Uh, <laughs> back in Europe for uh, Golden Point coming from the championship, we talk about uh, Toulouse and Toronto, two expansion clubs in the championship every week, both victorious. So Toulouse with a 38-12 to victory over Batley and Toronto over Halifax 48-12. to so Toronto and Toulouse still one and two in the championship, respectively. Mate, is there a point to playing the rest of the championship? Do we just say grand final Toronto v Toulouse? Let's do it now. It is looking. <laughs> it is looking that way. Um, I've st- look, I'm going to need the rest of the championship to figure out who I want, who I would want to win that game. So uh, let's just uh, wait and see. That's a good point, mate. Golden point and over in Auckland. And big shout out to Yarn Roo. Who, he's actually um, French-born and he's working over for the Auckland Rugby League at the moment in their media department. So I've been having a few conversations with him. He let me know that the Auckland Rugby League kicked off last weekend. Um, it's This is a really interesting tournament. So in the past, there's been two divisions. So there's been the SAS Fox Memorial, um, Memorial and the SAS Shaman Cup. Now, this year... There's going to be 12 teams in that Fox Memorial Comp, the Division 1. So that's going to be made up of last year's 10 Division 1 teams and the top two teams from Division 2. Then the Shaman Cup will be 13 teams. Everyone's going to play each other once from each division. Then the bottom eight from the top tier and the top eight from the bottom tier, they're going to form their own middle division of eight teams if it sounds confusing we'll pop a video up on our social medias as well but it's really interesting and 25 clubs in Auckland like that's wow. that's fantastic um no wonder they're loving their rugby league over there no wonder the warriors uh keep finding juniors and, and keep sending them all over the place mate this is this is really interesting um one big key point out of there as well uh, Richie Blackmore so the former um Kiwi representative and Warriors player who'll be coaching uh, the Mangare side over there so watch out for those guys but mate I want to watch this with interest this year Auckland Rugby League I haven't known much about it in the past but I'm sure there's a lot of talent over there and we'll definitely be paying attention to that Um, over in Fiji the Vodafone Cup we're six rounds in now and we still have two undefeated teams the Nadira Panthers and the West Fiji Dolphins. Well done to the Dolphins. This is their first season and yet to drop a game in their history. So, yeah, awesome golden point there, Charlie. Mate, uh, back over to the UK. So, um, the championship's actually on hold this weekend because it's round four of the Coral Challenge Cup. A couple of games that I'm interested in knowing the results of after this weekend. So, we've got the North Wales Crusaders, who are the uh, last non 
English side until Catalan enter the cup in round six, of course. They're playing the Thato Heath Crusaders. So that's, yep, the Crusaders versus the Crusaders. And you know I love when that happens. <laughs> Seems to happen quite a bit in rugby league. We had the Storm versus the Storm the other week in the, the Fiji Cup. And the Magpies in the New South Wales Cup. The Canterbury Cup, mate. That's Get right. That, right. That's uh, right. The other game that I'm interested in for the Challenge Cup, of course, the Newcastle Thunder. So expansion side from the northeast of the of England. They're playing Workington Town. Hopefully both of those expansion sides get up. No offence to the other two, but I love expansion sides. We love expansion sizes here <laughs> on the show. Um, and look, I'm pretty much out. I'm up to my last one, so I think you win again. Always do. Uh, but Jamaican domestic competition round nine. So uh, the highlight of the weekend was uh, top of the table clash between the first place Eagles and the second place Pelicans, who are Jake's favourite team. And uh, sorry to tell you, Jakey, but the Eagles got up over your mob 30-22. to 22. Mate, interesting game. And uh, since we last spoke about the Jamaican domestic comp, the CMU Spartans, they were leading the cup at that stage. They've dropped down to fourth. It's a really tight ladder from first to fourth, actually. So it'll be really interesting to see how the... I'm not sure how the finals pan out. So I might look into that report back next week. But that's been really interesting as well. Mate, so, it looks like you've got a few more left over there. Mate, I've got about three left. So let's go for it. So let's move over to Tonga. And I want to shout out again to Sean Johnson. Thanks to these guys for reaching out via social media. Sorry, Chuck, I guess I've got a bit of an advantage with uh, by running the social media uh, component of our show. Everyone uh, who I have conversations with, they're giving me golden points. So, Sean Johnson, no, it's not the Sharks halfback Sean Johnson. He's actually the bo- a board member for the Newcastle Hunter Rugby League. He wanted to shout out to his mate Sione Finna Favaki. Uh, Sione is a former Manly and Melbourne lower grades player. He's been a very popular figure in the Newcastle Leagues for some time. And since he's retired, he's been focusing on raising funds and donating gear to Rugby League in Tonga. So he's sent containers of gear to clubs over in Tonga as well. And at the moment, he's trying to help a Tongan police side who are touring Australia later in the year as well. So it's called Sione's Academy and Pathways. Uh, look, we'll put a link up in our on our Facebook page and possibly Twitter as well uh, after the show. If you want to get behind Rugby League in Tonga, and everything that these guys are doing, then please do. And look, of course, if anyone has any news, information, or anyone is trying to grow the game or want to let us know about people who are, please feel free to to contact me via our social channels. We're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, and we are on Instagram. Um, Mate, I've got two more. I'm going to go Super League. So I have to mention this one. I know we don't talk a lot of high-end Super League, but St. Helens, they're my team. They are undefeated after seven rounds. They beat the third-place Castlefoot Tigers 42-12. to Absolutely whipped them. So my team's on top, and I just wanted to mention that. So uh, Pretty yeah. impressive uh, from St. Helens, actually, having lost their best player and then now sitting at the at the top of the table is, well, is pretty impressive they lost Ben Barber but they picked up the Great Britain Lions future fullback Lachlan Coote so uh, that's that, true you know, I think that's a fair trade um, interesting to see Leeds as well in last place and I think it'll be a real shame if Leeds were relegated uh, look there's still a long long season to go um, but and that's probably a topic for another episode somewhere down the line. Um, my final golden point, and it's over in the NRL. And again, I know we don't talk about NRL a lot, but there's been a couple of names that have been highlighted after round two of the NRL. So we've got uh, Suasi Vunavalu, Melbourne Storm winger and Fijian winger. He scored the first hat-trick of the year in the NRL, so good on him. We had Lachlan Lamb made his debut uh, debut for the Roosters, so he's... Uh, Adrian Lamb's son and Papua New Guinean Rugby League international halfback Lachlan Lamb and James Taumalolo out for up to 10 weeks 
uh, out injured, so he's obviously Tongan second rower uh, slash Cowboy second rower. And it made me think like all of these all of these superstars who don't represent Australia or New Zealand. So I wanted to put out a challenge to us, and Jake in particular. So Jake, you missed this episode, but I know you're listening, mate. And I think some homework for you. Next time you're on the show, I'd like to see you put together a best NRL team made up of non-Australian and New Zealand talent. I think it could be an interesting interesting topic of conversation. That would be fantastic. Guys, gold, that's our golden points for this week. Uh, Charlie, let's wrap the show up. Well, guys, that brings us to the end of another episode of Chasing Kangaroos. Charlie, thanks for joining me, mate. Um, where can the people find us if they want to contact us during the week? We are on Facebook. We are on Instagram. We are on uh, the Twitter. We are on... I think I've mentioned all of them. We are on anything else? I think that's it, mate. We're definitely not on YouTube. We're so not on YouTube. Yeah, don't look for us on YouTube. We're we not have there. a private WhatsApp account, but that's just for us. <laughs> that's just for us. Guys, um, thank you to Ricky Cancino and Ash Barco. They're the guys who created our theme music. Uh, thanks to Mascord Brown's affiliate partners. I'll put pop the affiliate link uh, in the show notes um, this, this week once again. Get on there, buy your Nigerian jerseys, buy your Wolfpack jerseys, buy your Tongan jerseys, whatever you like. Mascord Browns, support the people who are supporting International Rugby League. And some really exciting uh, shows coming up in the future. I've had a few people contact me, and I'm talking to a few people about interviews. So, of course, I want to keep this format of show going, Charlie, and when Jake's back as well. But uh, I will confirm that in a couple of weeks, we're going to have Stuart McLennan on the show. So he's the RS Eagles coach, and he'll be on talking to us about... Uh, the first round of the Balkan Super League, amongst other things. So that's going to be really cool. You guys would have heard Stuart on our show giving a little bit of a, a wrap-up of uh, things going on in Greece a couple of weeks ago. He's so been a good. big supporter of the show for a while, so really excited to have him on. We've got Aid Abisi, who I'm talking to, trying to get him on the show to talk all things Nigeria. Look, it hasn't been confirmed yet, but I'm sure he won't mind me saying it. Uh, hopefully we can get him on for an episode as well soon. And uh, this is one... I've been speaking to this person since... January. He's been a long-time listener of the show and hinted that I'd like him on the show. He said he'll come on in May uh, before Greece take on Norway. So, George Stilianos from the Greek Rugby League, I know you're listening, mate. This is your formal invitation. We'd love to have you on the show before that Greek-Norway uh, World Cup qualifier. So, those are the three that I probably can mention. There's others in the mix as well, which I won't, I won't mention yet, but plenty happening in the future for Chasing Kangaroos. Chuck, anything else left to say, mate? Mate, I think we've covered it all. Exciting stuff. Looking forward to those interviews. I think we've covered it all, Carbs. Fuck you, Nagati. See you later, guys.